0: Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Passer? A place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at JoshuaS at Calvary.com.
1: We are going to do this three-part study through just kind of what's, what's the deal with Christmas. Like, what is this thing all about? Uh, I know personally, like growing up, um, I wasn't always a huge Christmas fan, right? I, I love the fall. I loved October. Um, I loved that fall time. I loved, you know, Halloween. And then I always put Thanksgiving in the fall. It always felt more fall than like winter, where like Christmas is like winter. I know they're not far apart, but, you know, it's like the fallish, all the good food and family. But Christmas always felt weird. It just did. And maybe it's because of my upbringing and my testimony you know, single mom home for a while and then getting this like boyfriend moving in. And then he eventually my stepdad. And, and then as we got older, like every Christmas, my brother was either hung over or he was strung out. Like it was just always kind of weird. And then even in my adult years, like you got kids and then it's like, well, where do we go for Christmas? Do we go to her family's house? Didn't want to do that, but we had to Do we go to my mom's house. Like what, what do we do? You know, where, where do we go with this thing? And then and then even, you know, it's like a pretty traumatic thing happened. Uh, Christmas when I was about 25, um, where my, my stepdad kind of gave, gave us all this truth about his life and this kind of hidden life that he had before he, he decided to take off. And like, it was on Christmas, you know? And so Christmas has always kind of had this funky feel with me. And I don't know if it's just because of the way I was raised and since such like a protector or like a hero's heart, maybe you've heard that before definitely raised from like a little boy to be a man early so it's like getting things from people and like I don't know it was just weird it was always it always felt weird with me and as I've gotten older I found the joy of you know what we call Christmas and like giving you know you have kids and I love giving gifts to my kids and I do it all year round right they earn allowance they do chores and I take away things when they're when they disobey but I love giving them things right my kid can just completely disobey me I can ground them for a month and then like I'll take him out and get him a coffee. Because I, I, I just love giving my kids things. Um, and so as getting older, you know, and understanding this, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be more, right? It's got to be more than our Hallmark Christmas. It's got to be more than the cheesy Christmas movies. I'm sure we all watch our cheesy Christmas movies, right? Everyone watches Elf, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. No? Valeria, you don't? Know? What's, what's a movie you watch, Valeria? Christmas movie. Nothing? Nada? Nada? Okay. Um, <laughs> a Christmas story. How about a Christmas story? Yeah. Okay. Polar Express. Polar Express is a good one. That's a good oh, Christmas wow. one. Okay. Oh, Home oh, Alone. Right. Oh, Home oh, Alone. Oh, Home oh, alone. Oh. Okay. Home Alone. What's another one? Does anyone want to Die Hard? Does anyone want to do the Die Hard? The die hard Christmas movie. Yeah. Christmas movie. What? What makes you uncomfortable? Yeah. Polar Express. <laughs> Does it really? It's creepy. I don't know if I've ever. I don't know if I've ever watched the full thing. I think I fallen asleep most of the time. Uh, how about Scrooge? You'll Bill Murray Scrooge. Grinch. Right. Which Grinch though? The, the Jim Carrey one, yeah, oh, it's good. it's good. The Jim Carrey Grinch, oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we all have these like things, right? I'm sure we all have traditions, right? Over the last couple of years, moving to Monterey, moving to Monterey, our our family tradition is to go to that Chinese food restaurant um, across the street from Candy Cane Lane, right? Like Jeff Buck actually started that with us before we moved over here. Pastor Jeff took us there and walked us around Candy King Lane before we moved here. So for the last few years, the Shivers have done usually the week before Christmas. It's it's have you guys been to Candy Cane Lane? I guess yeah. says? No. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. You guys haven't been to Candy Cane Lane? It's a total Monterey thing. Total PG thing. Yeah. It's awesome, right? It's pretty cool. Beautiful. Little, little corny. A little weird. The, I don't know where the cutouts, like the cardboard cutouts, came from, but you know it's okay. The giant, like the giant Nutcracker. nutcracker. It's a little creepy. Yeah, it is a little creepy. Um, huh? Like the Elvis. In the the Elvis yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a little corny. It's a little weird. Yeah. But uh, we've made a tradition, right? We've made a tradition. And I'm sure all of us in here have these traditions that we do with our families. Uh, one that we started with our kids is the Elf on the Shelf, right? there's so weird. But there's, oh, so but there's weird. listen, listen, listen. But there's a war between the elves. And when we lived in Mount Hermon, see, our kids have never had a tooth fairy. In Mount Hermon, they had a tooth troll. And then in Spreckles, they have a, and if any of you talk to them about this, I swear, I'll break your fingers. Like, like they have, in Spreckles, because it's a sugar, it was a sugar factory town, we have a goblin, a tooth goblin, right? And so we, because we, whom Eric and I am, we've created these like elaborate worlds and stories. And so Toothroth, the tooth troll in Mount Herman, actually had this war on the Elf in the Shelves. So the kids would wake up and either the elves would have messed up things or one time the elves were tied up. I took this big old Bowie knife that the kids didn't know I had, I stuck it in the wall hanging and like the elves were all tied up, you know, so I could have some dope, you know. So it's like fun stuff like that, right? <laughs> so but like in, inventing these things with my kids, right? Doing these things. So anyway, enough of the stories. We do all these fun things. We have all these hair, we have all these things around this season of Christmas. Every one of us has something. Every one of us does something with our family. We remember something that we've done as a child. Maybe one day you want to do those same things with your kids, you know, as, as you get older. So we have these things, but really, like, what is Christmas about? Like, what is this thing about? I think very often, even in our Christianity, we can make it very sappy, very kind of emotional, very much like this, oh, holy you know, get these songs going on and like, Lauren's helped me with my tone. I've been singing with her on Sunday for the choir. Um, She's been helping me out. So, uh, (laughs) um, yeah. Uh, You know, we have these songs that we sing. We make it real emotional. Our old church, we would do the candlelight. You guys ever did that? The candlelight visual, you know, Christmas Eve services. That'd be like a lot of candles here. We do four (laughs) services. That'd be a lot. Uh, And so we can make it emotional. We can do all these weird things, all these different things. But really, what does any of it have to do with Christmas? What does any of it have to do with Jesus? What does any of it have to do with God's plan of salvation? Yeah, what's up, Larry? Oh, Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) The the idea, like, all these things that we can come up with, all these things that we do, all these things we go and and try to make, like, kind of family events and, and this, like, feeling of Christmas, what does it really have to do with Jesus? What does it really have to do with God's amazing plan of salvation and why Jesus came? Like, what do we do here? And, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to do this. And so for the next three weeks, today and then two more Tuesdays, I'm going to take kind of three parts and teach on, on what Christmas is really about. And yeah, you may hear me say some like cheesy, you know, Christian-y lines like, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season. But I like, <laughs> the idea is that it really has to be. It really has to be. So tonight we're going to talk about really why he came. Next week we're going to talk about the virgin birth and really the significance of that. Uh, and then the third week we're going to talk about the cross. And I know Easter is about the resurrection, but, but the cross is really why he came. And so we're going to kind of go over those things. So let's pray, guys. Um, if you want to open your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. is where we'll kind of be stationed tonight. Um, but pray with me. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much, Lord, for what you're continually doing in us and through us, through every season of life. Uh, whether it's the seasons of the the weather and the time of year, or whether it's the seasons of holidays. God, whatever's going on in our lives. And I know there's some of us in this room that are struggling because of this time of year. Maybe something traumatic has happened or that just isn't a fun time for them. But God, I know that you're continually doing a work, even through those trials and those hard times. So God, let us just really see through your word, through scripture, what what you're really about and what the season's really about. So we just thank you, Lord, for this in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm. So like I said, we'll be in Galatians chapter four, kind of starting in verse four tonight. Um, but maybe in your family, you guys read the, have you guys ever read like the, the Jesus story, the, the, the narrative of Jesus' birth on Christmas morning? Uh, most of the time we go to Luke, right? You guys ever heard the Peanuts, at right? the, old, the old Peanuts? Um, you know, little Linus telling the Christmas story. Yeah. It's awesome, right? That's awesome. Always, always gives me a tear. Um, and he, he goes from the book of Luke, right? Chapters 1 and 2, kind of go to the verse 40 there. Uh, and if you flip through that, you, you see these, like, this narrative of, of Jesus' birth. You see this narrative of, of Mary and her, her cousin and, and you know, John the Baptist and these God using these, these godly men and women that were, were older, waiting for the Messiah. And they kind of knew what, what season it was, what was happening. And those that really understood the times and what was going on and, and what time of, of really the. By creation it was, right? The year actually understood that something was going to be happening soon. And Galatians, actually what we're going to read tonight, talks about this in due time. And so, like I said, turn there, read along with me. Galatians chapter four, verse four through seven. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Verse six. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So we look at this verse Galatians, basically like the Christmas story, you know, that that Luke chapter one, chapter one through chapter two, verse 40. We call that the Christmas story, the narrative of Jesus' birth. And we see just this kind of picture, this, this miraculous thing happened through a virgin birth. We see God do miracles to these, these older Jewish men and women that are prophesying and, and being used to kind of proclaim this, this amazing miracle that happened. But when we turn to Galatians chapter 4, we don't just see the narrative. We don't just see this story of a baby. We don't see this, this narrative of this family going through this really crazy <laughs> miracle. But we see the salvation story, don't we? We see this fullness of time. God sent his son, born of a woman, like we'll talk about next week, born under the law. He was a Jew, redeeming those who were under the law, redeeming the Jews first. Paul talks about that in other places, the Jew first and then the the Gentile. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of His son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, as Paul goes through this, this is the salvation plan. This is the salvation story. He says here first, but in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. Now, in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel talks about that after the, after the temple was built, there would be a 400-something year period, then the Messiah would come. Daniel actually prophesied that. So those who knew Scripture, those who knew the Old Testament and this, the writings of Daniel, those that were wise to actually look at the times, and Scripture tells us many times, understand the times, know what's happening. They would know, like, the Messiah is supposed to be coming around this time. Right? There's something that's supposed to be happening within this 30-year period. And actually, if you if you do the math of when Daniel made that prophecy when the temple was finished to the time Jesus died on that cross is about 32 AD. It's pretty awesome. Like prophecy doesn't ever, ever lie. So in this fullness of time, and God's amazing miracle of all of creation, all the things he had to do to make that happen, when we read Luke chapter 1 and 2. All the amazing things God had to do to put the rulers where they had to be. Those older Jewish men and women at the temple at that certain time. Even, even in a sense, they, they were given once in a lifetime chances to work in the temple. And that's when God had it, made it happen. For Mary and Joseph to be in Nazareth the same century. Think of all the things God had to do just to kind of mix it up and then make this miracle happen. And as we read in Galatians, just in these three simple verses, we see this just salvation plan it makes it simple, doesn't it? It's like, okay, in the fullness of time, okay, we understand that God is sovereign, that he's, he's really, really sovereign. He really knows everything. Right? From the beginning of time to the end of time, God is in control of all of it. So, okay, of course, God could do that. We see that he brought forth his son. Right? That kind of changes things a little bit, right? That God brought forth his own son. That's what we're really going to focus on tonight. Like I said, next week, we'll focus on the born of a woman, born under the law, and then his death and resurrection. And at, at the end of chapter, verse seven there in relation, it says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And the cross really defines that for us, that we are no longer slaves, but sons. But tonight he gave forth his son. That kind of changes things, right? Like this narrative of this bir- this beautiful like miracle that happens to this virgin where she gives birth to this supposed messiah, it really kind of puts the rubber to the road when we realize, oh, wait, that's God. That's God's son that he gave of himself, this Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that in all eternity have never been separated, ever. And yet he be, puts on flesh to become human. And this creates the narrative of the Christmas story. Right? This, this birth of Jesus. Kind of changes things, doesn't it? Turn to John chapter 3, verse 16, guys. John three sixteen. This is going to be kind of the main verse we're going to focus on tonight. I'll bring up Galatians next week Again. But John 3.16 is going to be where we kind of rest tonight. We're going to read to verse 21. So I want you to get a full picture of what this son, God giving of his son, really means. I like hearing all those pages flipping. That's good. Don't just keep flipping them, Kevin. Come on now. (laughs) All right. Verse 16 of chapter 3 of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Probably most of you guys can can say that from memory, right? Verse 17. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. That light is Jesus, guys. And people love the darkness rather than their light because their works were evil. Verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. It's pretty awesome. John 3.16, like I said, most of us can quote that. Beautiful verse, but like to to read it in whole, right? The full section of what John really wanted us to understand. It's pretty amazing. It's not just that God sent his son to save the world, that we wouldn't perish, but that he also gives us the opportunity to lay down our sins, to lay down our burdens, to walk in the light, to walk not in darkness and walk in a place where we're not stumbling, what we can't even see, but to walk in a place of light. So you guys, the birth of Jesus, this Christmas thing that we celebrate year after year, and you'll celebrate hopefully 80 plus of them in your lifetime, casts this amazing, just humongous shadow over all eternity. This birth of Jesus that we read in Galatians, we read and we look at in Luke, that we're we're talking about here in John 3.16, literally casts this giant shadow over all eternity. Nothing like it had ever been done. (laughs) Nothing like it will ever be done again. God putting on flesh to walk as you and I to being born of a woman so that he would actually be born so that he could go through the entire steps, every step that you and I would ever go through as humans. That's God doing that for you and I. It's this beautiful gift that he gives. And this is something that we take for granted so often. And you guys don't I'm not ever going to condemn you for that because I don't think we can really conceive what that truly means. I don't think we're going to fully conceive what it means until we get to heaven. If you ever read the book of Revelation and we finally lay our eyes not on the crucified Jesus but this glorious Jesus where John literally says in the book of Revelation I fell down as dead. I, I literally it means I fell down dead. And he had to come up and touch me and like revive me when I saw him. I don't think we're really going to fully understand what this means, what the Christmas story means until we get to heaven. But see as Christians we want to understand to the best of our ability what, this, what the impact of this God, giving of himself, truly means to humanity. Truly means to all, all eternity. Because it's not just us that are, that's redeemed, but it's all creation will be redeemed also. And so we read this in John 3.16, and, and the impact of it, how it just echoes, echoes into eternity. Now I want to break down John 3.16 and kind of walk through it a little bit. So the first part in John 3.16 says, For God. For God. Right. John, the author here, is just laying out very clearly Like this is God. This was God's job. This is what he's doing. This was his plan from the beginning. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning was God. This is, this is the God of creation, guys. This is the only true and living God. This is not some false deity nor man-made hoax. This is not some concept that we can theo- you know, theorize or build, a, build some type of, of psychology on. This is not something that we can fully understand nor comprehend all eternity and all the magnificence of this Almighty, all knowing, all powerful God. This is Him. From the beginning, John says there, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Like the Word, right? When you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, what does it say? In the beginning was God. <laughs> like it just, it just was. It is. It will always be. He, he didn't create us because He needed a friend. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but that's bad theology. God was completely and utterly content within himself in the Trinity. He did not create us because he needed a friend. He did not create us because he needed worship. The book of Revelation says that, that there were four living creatures that sit around his throne crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty day and night. Like He did not need us to worship him. or in the most part, and I'll speak for myself, a half-hearted worship probably. He did not need me to love him. He is complete and utterly content in who he is and his character. But he is God Almighty. God all-powerful. And he did this. He made this plan, you guys. Now we take this down to creation. We take this back to Genesis 1. We take this back to the creation of man and woman. The sin of man. Betraying God and disobeying God. And sin entering the world. This broken covenant. This broken relationship now between creator and creation. And yet from that... You guys, and actually from the beginning of the, even before creation, God has had this plan set up, this salvation plan to redeem us. Second part in John three sixteen says, so love the world for God. So love the world. Now this is an interesting term, right? This God that didn't need love, didn't, didn't create us because he was like hungry for attention, but yet he loved this creation that he made. For God loved the world. And this is a full. This is, this is his creation. This isn't like some sect of, of humanity. This isn't just the Jews. This isn't just some, some part of his creation. This isn't just the chosen. But this is his creation. He made this creation. He loved it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So just enough that God created us shows his love, shows his, 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 his absolute unconditional love for this creation. We can go into the science of it. We can go into where our planet is in this solar system and how beautifully placed it is. What's well, so funny? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got a leaky tire back there. Uh, it's like we can go into the beautifulness of, of where our planet is in this solar system and how perfectly placed it is. We can go into us as humans, where we're at. That that go any bigger, any higher. We don't. We can't exist in the sky. We can't exist in outer space. We can't exist in the water and just stay there. Right? Going all the way down to amoebas and cells and the, the, you know, the atoms and protons and neutrons. It's like we are so perfectly placed where we're at. God has shown so much love and care and tenderness just in who we are as creations. But even more than that, in this broken world, and every one of us can admit, yeah, I'm broken. Yeah, there's sin. There's pain. There's sorrow. There's hurt. There's, there's tragedy in this world, both by nature and by man making horrible choices to one another. But yet God didn't just create this perfect environment for us. But then he also made a propitiation for us through his son. this word propitiation is an interesting one. Very, very Old Testament. It's the act of gaining or regarding favor or goodwill to someone. right? Right. Or to appease that something. It's this gaining of good or gaining or regarding of goodwill towards God. To appease God. Now, here we sit in this broken world, and you guys, the fact is, you and I and ourselves, we could have never made it right before, between us and God. We could have never done enough. There's no amount of good, good deeds, none, no, no amount of sacrifice, no amount of praise that you or I or any type of race of people could have done to make this right between us and God. To make this world right again, where it should have been, the garden Eden between God and creation. There's nothing we could have done at all. There's nothing, you or I, I don't care how good you think you are. (laughs) I don't don't care how how amazing you think you are. There's nothing that you and I could have done to make this right. There's nothing that you and I could have done to appease God. Now don't be wrong, he's a patient God. He is a long-suffering God. He he is compassionate. Many times in the Old Testament, even through vicious times, I'm going through the book of Ezekiel right now, God uses the Babylonians to, to, to wipe out his people and to take them captive. Even through that, God cries to them. You, you played the harlot. You worshiped false idols. You were a cancer to yourself. I've got to take care of you. My heart cries to you. I don't want to do this, but this has to happen, or you're going to destroy yourselves. So many times we see, and, and even so many times in Scripture we see God say that, I don't want sacrifice. I want praise. I want a contrite heart before me. I want someone that truly wants to worship me. I don't want your sacrifices and, and the blood of oxen and goats. Like I want your heart. We serve a very compassionate God, but yet still, sin cannot meet perfection, guys. You have a perfectly white sheet of paper and you put one spot of black on there. Is it, is it perfect anymore? No. So God being perfect could have nothing to do with imperfection. There was a gap between us. There was a great chasm between us. And yet, Jesus here, as we read in 1 John, says that he was the propitiation. He was this, this appeasement to God. So God so loved the world that he sent his son as this appeasement. He gave us this propitiation. 1 John four nineteen says, we love because he first loved us. See, I asked that question in our small groups. How do you describe God's love for you? And maybe that was hard for some of you to, to respond to. Maybe some of you want to give the Christian answer of like, oh, he's, he's you know, He's unconditional right? or he's, he's compassionate. He's good. You know, I, I love him because you know, he's love, you know, which is true. Nothing wrong with those things, but maybe for you really internally, it was hard for you to describe what God's love is and why it's so important to you. Maybe you've never walked in a place where you've had to rely on God's love, where you've had to trust God's love. And, And I'll pray for you guys. And I ask that you would talk to your small group leader about that. Like, Hey, can you pray that I would experience God's love? Because I'll tell you from my own testimony, my own experience, there's nothing more powerful nor moving than God's love. I mean, we get glimpses of it, right? I can love my wife unconditionally and and I could sacrifice for her and die for her. I I could love my kids absolutely unconditionally and do everything for them. And maybe some of you had a relationship and when you've broken off that relationship it hurts like heck because love is one of the most powerful things in life. So we, we get glimpses of what unconditional love is or what, what love is. But truly when we look to God and how much He loved us, like that's our example. That's what it truly means. That's where we get the whole theology of love is from what God has given to us. And that moves to the The next part where it says that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what did God truly do? Even though, like I said, all in creation, everything that he did for his creature to put us in this amazing, beautiful place, all he showed to his creation to show his love. But he also wanted to make it right. He also wanted to, to have this plan of salvation to show us how far he would go for his creature for his creation to show his love. So it says that he gave his only son, just like in Galatians, we read that he gave his son. We see this in John three 16, that he gave his only son. Now again, Jesus is fully God, fully God, yet fully man, the Trinity, father, son, Holy spirit, crazy theology. I don't know if I'll ever fully understand it. We can describe it as an egg shell, white yolk kind of a thing. It's all an egg, but it's three separate entities That's just what the Trinity is, guys. They've always existed, always will exist as a single God, three personalities. (laughs) That's just what God is. That's what the Trinity is. But yet, in the best way that we can describe as humans, he gave of himself. He gave his part of the Trinity, which is the Son, to die on a cross. That whoever would believe in him should not perish, should not die eternally, but have everlasting life. Have life eternal with God. Where God says, we're going to make this right again. Because of this propitiation, because of what Christ did on the cross, because of that Jesus Christmas narrative that we read in Luke, he's going to be a propitiation. He's going to make this right, a bridge between that great chasm, between creature and creation, creator. And now we have to spend eternity with him because of the work he's done. 1 John chapter 5.11 says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Now, have you ever thought about that? Like, you guys have heard the term testimony, right? It's a pretty Christian term, right? Like, I, I give my testimony. Maybe you've given your testimony. Have you ever thought of God's testimony? Ooh. <laughs> God's testimony. His testimony. You look at who God is, his character, his nature, who God is. His testimony, part of his testimony in this little blip of eternity is that he gave of himself to show his creation how much he loved us. He started this, this, what we call the Christmas narrative and this amazing miracle so that you and I would understand how much God loves us and how much he desires to have relationship with us for all eternity that he gave of himself, humbled himself. The term testimony is, is a solemn proclamation of truth of a matter, a solemn proclamation of a truth of a matter. Right, it's in a sense I give my testimony, and I can tell a story. You, you can't like say, Josh, you're a liar. You didn't do that when you were five. None of you knew me when I was five. <laughs> you can't be like, Josh, you're a liar. No, like you can't, you can't prove that. I could be lying, but you can't prove that, right? Because you didn't know me. But we we see God's character. We we know that His character is not one of lying. He He says very clearly who He is through His love and through His judgment. Like we see who God's character is. He does not hide. He has no need to hide who he is. And so his testimony is true and it is solemn and it is real and it's provable time and time again. And so we trust in that testimony. We hear, we read, we, we read something like Luke chapter one and two and we go, okay, that's part of God's testimony that he gave of himself, that he did this amazing thing some 2000 years ago to set the world straight. To build this beautiful plan of salvation so that you and I could sit in a room in Monterey, California, and read his word and praise his name through through some dude playing guitar. So that in a couple weeks we could gather together and, and have a, a ceremony on Christmas Eve celebrating this. Like God did all of this, and this is part of God's testimony. You guys, believe it or not, you're a part of God's testimony. We are right here at the church. Us serving God on the peninsula as Calvary Monterey are part of God's testimony. And you as an individual. God, you don't think God knows you? You think God puts you right here? I mean, If he can do all that he did to make Jesus born, when he did, where he did, how he did, you don't think he like puts you here for a reason? It's pretty awesome to think about. So my last point of the night is Jesus came to die. Jesus came to die. Ultimately, This is the reason he came. So kind of ultimately, this is the reason for the season. (laughs) He came to die. He came to die. Romans 5 verses 12 through 17 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, right? Adam sinned. Even though Eve ate the apple first, Adam still had a responsibility. Guys, sorry, you don't get out of that one. So sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So that sin produced death. And so death spread to all man because all of sin. So that's like kind of, we would say, oh, if I was in the garden, I would have done it. Right. I think we had a conversation like that. Was it two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. Like what if Adam didn't eat the apple? He's still responsible. It just is what it is. I I think, I think we would have eaten. I think you would have. I think I would. Maybe it would have been a pineapple for you or something like that, dude. Something tropical. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Verse 13 says for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Verse 15 But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, so like everyone that's died because of sin through Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. The term justification guys is, is being made right. It's a, it's a, it's a legal term. Verse 17 says, for if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned over and through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, just for the time's sake, I want you to see the, the term in there. See, the condemnation came to everybody through the sin of Adam. You were born a sinner. You just are. You don't believe that Wait till you have kids. They're just born sinners. They are. I think Seth came out with the middle finger up. I just, I do. I just, I think he did. i um, just saying. Um, we're born into sin. We just are. And so as Paul here describes this Thing that Jesus did, he describes it like four or five times as a free gift. I mean, how fair is our God that you're born into sin? You have no choice. You were born into trespass. You were born into condemnation. You were born separated from God because you're born of man and born a woman into this world's sin. And so how fair is our God to then send himself to give this free gift open to anybody? I mean, how beautiful is that? I'm born into sin. I'm a, I'm a wicked, sinful man. But yet, I've received this free gift from the Savior. And all I had to do was say yes. That's all I had to do. I say yeah, okay, I believe. I believe your testimony, God. I believe that you are true. I believe that you are real. And see, guys, this is, this is the reason for Christmas. This is why we celebrate this, this narrative from Luke chapter 1 and 2. This is why we gather together. This is why we give gifts. Because what Jesus gives is this free gift. So we give these free gifts to one another. You say, hey, I love you. I want to give this to you. I, I know you. I care about you. Here, I know you'll enjoy this. That's a real gift. It's, it's free. I, I don't want anything back from it. I just want to give this to you. If you're hoping for something back, and that's not a free gift, guys. But like, if you're just giving, that's what we're trying to have an example of. That's what we're trying to resemble is the free gift from Jesus that you and I, born into this condemned body in this condemned world, can receive. Just by saying, okay, yeah, Jesus, I believe I, I do. I understand your testimony and I believe it. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Kind of takes the Hallmark thing. Kind of puts the Grinch to the side, doesn't it? Not that we're not supposed to watch the Grinch. I love the Grinch. I love Buddy the Elf. It's all good. But let's remember what this truly is. Let's remember what the meaning of this is, guys. All right. Father, we come before you. We thank you and we praise you for this. We give you this glory. Lord, we give you honor. We give you praise. Thank you so much for this plan of salvation. I, I am forever and eternally humbled because of this free gift you've given. Help me to live my life, Lord, in honor of it. Lord, help us to be a youth group. Help us to be, us to be individuals that, that love you and serve you because of this free gift. God, we just thank you for this season. We thank you for what you do. In your name.
0: Calvary Monterey's Youth Ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6 30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.